I just want to jump in really quickly to ask a very important favour. We know that most of you who listen to No Bullshit Leadership haven't yet hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast player. This is how the podcast grows. And even though we've already got a pretty decent global following, we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. We started this podcast over five years ago with the lofty ambition of improving the quality of leaders globally. So if you've got any benefit at all from listening to the podcast, I'd ask you to just take a moment, literally a moment, to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite player. The world needs more no-bullshit leaders, and you can help us to make that happen. Back to the episode. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership, or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 40 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, building a balanced team. If you want to win... All players need to be strong. Building a balanced team is a tricky proposition. We're limited by a number of factors that push us towards homogeneity, or in other words, having a team where people look pretty much the same. In this episode, we're going to explore some of the reasons why it's so important to find balance in the team you build, and then some of the ways you can set about doing this. So we'll start by exploring what makes a really good team and why team balance is so important. I'll take a brief look at two of the primary limitations that prevent us from building balance into our team. We'll cover five ways to ensure we do our utmost to find the balance we need. 
and I'll finish off with a bunch of reflection questions that you can ask yourself to evaluate your team balance and capability. And this will be available as a free worksheet that you can download from the Your CEO Mentor website. So let's get into it. I started thinking about teams and team fit again just recently after coming across a great quote in an article I was reading. Greg Rosenthal, an NFL analyst in the US, was writing a few months ago about the unrivaled success of the New England Patriots football team. You see, I couldn't wait to get that in again, right? But he made the point that, while not necessarily original, was couched in a really interesting way. In talking about the ability of teams to thrive in one of the most competitive environments on the planet, he said, and I quote, Every season has a different shape. Every game is different. And eventually, you'll need every aspect of the roster to finish the season as champions. This got me to thinking. I've probably never seen a team in the corporate environment with the type of balance that Rosenthal described. However, it highlighted that as organisations go through different phases and different challenges... Different team members with different capabilities come into their own at different times. So let's look at an example, and I've got to say this is one of my favourites, because I've gone into roles where the organisation is so distressed and so broken that it requires serious remedial work. Now. I like the analogy of the hospital. So when first in the organisation, it's like being a doctor in an emergency room. This is where you're just trying to keep patients on the right side of the ledger of life and death. In this scenario, you're using all your energy and focus to keep patients alive. You are literally placing your fingers on arteries to stop the patients from bleeding out. While you're doing this, there's not much opportunity to think about bedside manner, patient care and dealing sensitively with the loved ones in the waiting room. However, these things are still important. And as time goes on and the patient hopefully progresses through the intensive care unit and then into long-term recovery and care the focus shifts and these other things become even more important. You move from the ruthless efficiency of the emergency theatre to the longer-term focus of patient rehabilitation. It's difficult to find individuals, though, who can readily cover the spectrum of required states, from ruthless efficiency to caring and nurturing. And this is why we rely upon a team, not simply to provide a vast range of skills and capabilities required, but also the differing levels of emotional maturity that are required to get the whole job done. You may have heard the popular theory that different times require different types of leadership. So, for example, Winston Churchill was described as a wartime prime minister. And they talk about CEOs in the same vein as either turnaround CEOs or growth CEOs or steady state CEOs, whatever that means. I worked out years ago that I'm best suited to the environment of turnaround. What does this mean in your organisation? What are the array of situations that you need to be able to traverse? How adaptable are your people to cover all these situations? Who in your team do you call upon for different reasons in different situations? Or is your go-to person always the same person? How many options do you have to address different situations, scenarios and environments? There are two primary limitations that prevent us from building balance into our teams. The first of these is the market, and the second is ourselves. Let's talk about the market first. I've spoken before about the limitations of the employment market in building a high-performing team. 
you will only be able to access the pool of candidates that are specific to your organisation type, industry, geographic location, size, remuneration potential and so forth. For some organisations in certain industries, the gene pool is naturally deep and high quality. For others, unfortunately, it's rather shallow. Over time, we become accustomed to seeing a certain type of individual, a certain type of gender, ethnicity, education, socioeconomic background and so forth. We then narrow our focus to what exists in this pool and we don't naturally seek creative ways to expand the available pool of candidates. This is all about creativity. So unless we're aware of what we're seeing in the market and coming up with strategies and innovative ways to deal with it, we're going to end up with the pool we've got. The second limiting factor is ourselves. Typically, people tend to settle for what they've got and they don't like to change it. So we tend to accept the fact that some people leave, some people stay, and our turnover rate is what it is. And that's something that we can't influence. This is ridiculous. We've got to remember there are two types of turnover, desirable turnover and undesirable turnover. Most leaders only experience what I like to call random turnover. They get a little bit of both. There's a cliche that says, people don't leave organisations, they only leave bosses. And this in a way is quite true. But the point I'd like to make is, if we as leaders don't work actively on making sure that the right people stay and the wrong people go, we end up only hiring when someone decides to leave of their own accord. And in many cases, this is a net negative on the quality of our gene pool. But for lazy leaders, it's a lot easier to accept the team the way it is than to diligently set a high standard, manage performance, and then challenge, coach, and confront the individuals to bring out their best. There are a million ways to rationalise the position of keeping everything the way it is and not rocking the boat. But that won't take you to a better balanced team. That requires thoughtful and deliberate decisions over a long period of time. One of the other limiting factors that holds us back that corporate leaders are now learning to wrestle with is unconscious bias. And this is all about self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Hey guys, Emma here. This is just a quick save the date as we're opening our seven-week online leadership program, Leadership Beyond the Theory, for enrolment on Monday the 17th of June. With only 150 places open for the July cohort and just over 70 leaders already pre-registered, missing out on this cohort could effectively put your career progression back by eight months as we're not running another cohort until next year. We asked one of our March cohort students, Roger, what the key differences were between just listening to the podcast and actually doing the Leadership Beyond the Theory program. Here's what he had to say. It's the depth and the breadth of Leadership Beyond the Theory. While there are a lot of good examples in the podcast, there's way more of them in the program and it means that there's always one or two that are really going to resonate with you. It also makes you dedicate time to it. So I made sure that I had time blocked out in my diary so that I could sit down and focus on going through the videos. Then I would pause scenes and write notes and then actually implement, which makes all the difference. As Marty says, lots of leaders understand intellectually what they should be doing, but very few know how to implement. So make sure you pre-register at www.yourceomentor.com forward slash register, and you'll get first dibs on a place before we open to the public. Let's get back to the episode, and don't forget to take advantage of the free download. The reflection questions that Marty has put together are absolute gold. 
Let's talk about a few ways to ensure we do our utmost to find the balance that we need in our people. I'm going to cover off on five things, and we'll close it out with a set of reflection questions that you can ask yourself to keep yourself honest. The first thing is, seek out soft skills as well as hard skills. Now, particularly at lower levels in organisations, we tend to look only at the technical or hard skills that an employee has. We give far too little credence to core skills like communication, planning, organising, collaborating and decision-making. In the balanced team, you need a bit of everything. So, for example, we were just talking about decision-making. If your team is full of super decisive people with an unconscious bias for action, then decisions can be made precipitously, sometimes with quite severe consequences. On the other hand, if your team's full of consensus-oriented collaborators, nothing ever gets done. But of course, everyone knows all the reasons why it's not. The second thing is, we need to be conscious of those natural biases I just mentioned. So here's just a couple of examples. The first one that we all suffer from is affinity bias. We naturally gravitate towards people like ourselves. People with similar values, similar worldviews and similar backgrounds. What as leaders we need to think more about when we're building a team is what we are not rather than what we are. We're trying to fill the gaps that we naturally have in ourselves and in the team around us to make sure that we complement those skills with something different. So the trick is don't try to replicate your capability, work hard to complement it. One of the other natural biases we have is halo effect. And this is where we take a strength in one area of someone's performance and attribute that strength to other areas of the same individual's performance without any real justification or evidence for doing so. This can lead us to complacency. We think our capability is sufficient across the team when the reality is that there are gaping holes that we are blissfully unaware of. I came across a really good article from Liz Burton about the role of unconscious bias in the hiring process, and I'll leave a link to this in the show notes. The third way to building better balance in your team is to look beyond the conventional hire. I talk sometimes about creativity and lateral thinking in the hiring process. Don't just look to tick the boxes in the position description. Look for the underlying capabilities. Can they adopt and assimilate complex new concepts readily? So this is all about their intelligence. Do they have excellent people skills? Or in other words, their emotional intelligence? And are they very resilient and cope extremely well with pressure? And this resilience is sometimes measured as adversity quotient or AQ. The ability to thrive in complex organisations relies on a balance of IQ, EQ and AQ. So it's worth making sure your team members all have at least a smattering of each. But some of your very best technical minds, who by the way might be an essential part of your team, may lack people skills. So I guess you better have some balance to ensure someone on your team has those skills and can represent the techos when required. Number four Beware the weak players. Talking about balance is one thing, but a weak player is still a weak player. And you can't justify holding a weak player on the basis that they bring something different. That's not what I'm talking about. You still have to set a high bar for performance regardless. Now, I know this is sometimes a tough call, and it's not the obvious underperformers that are the worst, it's the borderline cases. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a borderline executive who on their day can be excellent, but can also be disastrous. And for me, 
It used to make me feel schizophrenic. One day I'm convinced I need to sack them, the next I think they've got some strong intrinsic value. But if their inconsistency is a killer for you as the boss, imagine what it's like for their peers and their own team. Number five, work out what people's underlying superpower is. Now, an executive who worked for me a number of years ago was really good at this. She was good at this one thing. In the small team she ran, she worked out what each of her people had as their superpower. For example, one person may have been a logistics scheduler, but also had sensational skills in putting together presentation slide decks. So apart from the formal role, she created informal roles in the team for each of those people. So for example, Christine is our logistics scheduler, but she is also awesome at presentations. So if anyone on the team has to put a presentation together, please go to Christine for some advice and guidance before you go too far. That worked really well in the team. Let's just finish off with some questions to help you reflect on your team balance. At the end of this episode, you can download these questions to help you evaluate where you're at at the moment and what you might like to change to improve your team balance. You can download this at yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 40. Here's the questions. So first of all, rate your overall team capability and performance on a scale from 1 to 10. Be honest with yourself. Don't bullshit yourself. Don't bullshit me. Make sure you do this properly. Here come the questions. How well do you understand your team capability on an individual basis? What's the team turnover rate since you've been in charge? And you'll need to break this down, of course, into desirable and undesirable turnover. Do you know what new capabilities will be required going forward? If you could add or grow three capabilities to your team, what would they be? How much diversity of thought and opinion do you have in your team? Rate on a continuum. Uh, Once again, a 1 to 10 scale is pretty cool here. What's your balance like? Male versus female. Percentage fit to your own style, culture, belief system and thinking. By the way, lower is better here for the most part. Introvert versus extrovert. Technical versus leadership skills. Task orientation versus people orientation. Resilient people versus brittle people, let's call them. Backroom toilers versus extroverted people influences. Action-oriented people versus procrastinators. Initiators versus finishers. And big picture versus detail-oriented people. Who are the weakest performers and are they able to meet the performance standard you're setting? If you could start with a blank sheet of paper and a magic wand, what type of team would you build to be successful in your current environment? And once you've worked out what team you'd like, how closely does this resemble the team that you already have? Do team members rely on each other for support, or do they basically stay in their own lane? What unconscious biases are you likely to suffer from, from time to time? So think about gender bias, attribution bias, affinity bias, confirmation bias, conformity bias, halo effect, and so forth. So let's wrap this up. Building a balanced team requires thought. It takes care to understand what skills and capabilities you need and what underlying attributes and behaviours will make the team gel together. In every environment, it will be different. But as Greg Rosenthal said at the beginning of the episode, 
At some point, you'll need to call on the whole roster if you want to win the championship. Weaknesses in pockets, no matter how hard you try to hide them, will doom your team and your good people to mediocrity. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 40. Thank you so much for joining us again. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with the leaders in your network who you think will benefit because this is how the world of work improves. I look forward to next week's episode where I'm going to do a Q&A with Emma. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. 